What's up, everybody? We back. R2C2, another week. What's good, cuz? Oh, I'm with your squad, man. With your Yanks. Oh, uh, dog. I'm, I'm, I've, I've been uh, not watching a lot of baseball lately. I don't know why, but yeah. um, I see they lost the fucking season series to the to the Twins. That's terrible, yes. cuz. Yes. No, that, that's a big deal. Well, it's the first time since 2001, man. No, it's like a big deal because, like, that's yeah. like, a, you know what I'm saying? Like, we always. It's your little brother. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, to lose that season series, is, that's kind of fucked up. <sighs> well, the bats broke this. out in the final game. So, hopefully, that gets them going. Where, where are you now? Dallas. Okay. Yeah. Rangers yeah. are good, man. I know. Like, Although sneaky. They just get, you know what I'm saying? They, know, got, they, they got swept sw- by the Rangers. I mean, by the uh, Reds. Reds, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. seen that. But. but They've they've been off to a great start. You're right, a great start. It's interesting, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, getting uh, Degrom on Friday in the series, so that'll be fun. Um, yeah, I'm we'll see how for it. how long. I mean, I seen yeah. the other day he was throwing a no hitter. It came out because his wrist was hurting. This guy's like, dang man. This guy's got a lot of injury stuff going on these last yeah, couple of years, man. Man, but no, I went I went to uh, Vegas last weekend for uh, the Tank Davis Ryan Garcia fight. Yeah, and, and and bro, I feel like boxing is back a little bit, dog. Was like, the atmosphere great? The atmosphere was great, and then now you got you got Haney Lomachenko coming up next month. Yeah, and then whoever wins that fight will fight Tank. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So you and then you got you know Bud Crawford, Earl Spence. So it's uh boxing is looking pretty good right now for the summer. We'll see. How were the? I know I didn't get to watch the fight. I know obviously the the body shot that dropped Ryan ultimately. How were the first six rounds? Were they close? Well, he knocked him down in the second round. Um, oh, Tank knocked Tank, him down? Tank knocked him down in the second round. Okay. Uh, Ryan got a little... Anytime he got aggressive, Tank just came and, you know, came yeah. down with, and hit with the left hook, and it was it was yeah. lights out, guys. Yeah. It was a good fight, though. I, I, I like the way Tank fights. He kind of he kind of reminds me of the, of the way May, Mayweather used to fight. Yeah, but he's he has got the some power, Floyd in him. But he has the power to knock you out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So he can end the fight where Floyd is going 12 rounds. Yes. Yes. 100%. That's awesome, man. It, yeah, it was when good. You get, when you go to a great boxing match, it is a very unique sporting event experience. It gets you hyped up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, now I want to like, go to, to the Lomachenko, Devin Haney fight, but I know it's not going to be the same. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know it's not going to be the same atmosphere. So I'll wait for the winner of this and then see who, who fights. Into where, fighting are they, Davis. where are they fighting? Vegas, too. Oh, okay. Got yeah, it. Vegas. Got it. That should be pretty good. Yeah. Um, and C, NBA playoffs. Uh, how about the Knicks and the Heat? This the is unbelievable. Knicks and now, the Heat? What about now, the Knicks being making it out of the first round, cuz? And in dominant fashion with Julius Randle doing very little in the series, both you know because of his ankle and then ineffectiveness when he was on the floor. Um, Jalen Brunson, again, proving that he is a star. And the city... I mean, first of all, I'm worried these fans are going to burn the city oh down. They're God. climbing on telephone poles after a game three. Bro, I'm the like, Cavs were not ready for game three, cuz. Oh like, they gosh. were not ready for the energy in the garden. You know oh what I'm saying? My like, gosh, man. not at all. They just came in and just looked like they were so fucking scared that night. It's hard to come into New York and play, bro. Period. Man. Like, it's any, any sport, when it's the fucking playoffs, it's hard to come in here and play. I, I mean, I'm, it just I'm, is. I'm telling you right now. The Garden is such a star in these playoffs that I truly believe it plays a role in interest in their series and ratings. Like, I think I think you have to account for Madison Square Garden as if it's like another star on the floor in that game. So when yeah. we talk about like what makes a matchup attractive, oh, it's KD, it's Booker, it's Jokic, whatever, right? It's like, oh, it's... It's Jimmy Butler. It's Jalen Brunson. It's the Garden. Like the Garden, I really but think it carries that weight, especially with young teams. You yeah. know, like the Cavs. You know what I mean? We'll see what the effect that it has on Jimmy Butler and, and the Heat. But the only team that I feel like in the East it won't have an effect on is Boston. Yeah. Like Tatum and those guys, they come in here all the time. It kind of is what it is. But I think everybody else can be fucking, especially in the playoffs. Like. None of these guys have ever played here in fucking yeah. April and May. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, we'll we'll have to wait and see how how it really plays a role. But it's a fucking, like you said, it's the sixth fucking man on the floor, guys. This shit is crazy. And, and look, dude, I thought going into the playoffs, I was like, man, Milwaukee is going to be so hard to beat. They look so good. 
in the regular season. They're so deep. And obviously, the Giannis injury definitely threw them off kilter in the series. But still, like yeah. once Giannis came back and it was only 2-1, I was like, well, they're going to win in six. The With no time Miami, hero, too. Right. Right. The fact Miami won that series is unbelievable and won it in five. Yeah, I know. Like, it's crazy. We had an 8 5 matchup in the East in the second round, and we could have a 6 7 matchup in the West in the, in the West. second round. I know. Yeah. Which we're probably going to get. Good chance. Good the, chance. Uh, what you got on the Clippers, bro? Like what, like Kawhi well, and I, I've seen, I've seen Stephen A. And you see my guy Mad JJ. And, I, and I love what JJ said. JJ is the best. He's, man. he's dead yeah. on. Like he's. Yeah. I mean, that was perfect. Yes, it's perfect. Yes, yeah. I mean, he's he's amazing. It just it just sucks for the Clippers though. I mean, because it's, it's, it's them and Paul George. I mean, him and Paul George. Well, well, look, uh, they and the Nets had these kind of parallel off seasons, right? Where they both both teams had built talented cores had overachieved and then attracted stars. And both teams have had parallel paths in the aftermath of it too, where yeah. the stars just couldn't stay on the floor together. You know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have not been able to stay on the floor together. Obviously, we know what happened with Harden and Kyrie and KD. They could not stay on the floor together. And so I just think, like, is there some lesson to be learned about guys on their third fourth contract and and the health maybe maybe there is when you're relying on a lot of those guys at once to play guys, heavy minutes like that yeah you know? versus yeah. guys who are in their mid-20s or late 20s you know um you know lebron is the guy who fooled everybody on that because he's a, the bionic man who has been able to you know essentially avoid any injuries until the last couple of years um which is now his late 30s but yeah, dude, I, I just I feel bad for the Clippers because they really have not been able to see what they could be with this team. No, because I feel like a help a healthy Clippers team wins that series, to I be agree. honest, because the Suns aren't deep at all. And if you watched even the first couple games with Kawhi and Phoenix, I thought at that point and the way Russ played and, and Norman Powell, I was like, Oh, I think I think the Clippers are gonna end up winning this series even without yeah. Paul George. And then obviously we just never saw Kawhi again. So yeah, man, it's it's unfortunate because I really wish we would have. Um, but these NBA playoffs are wild, man. We don't usually get this kind of like first round with where it's not chalk, and it's fun, man. It is fun. It has been <laughs> even like the, the play-in series and everything. It's been it's been a lot of fun to watch. You know what else is fun? Aaron Rodgers being a Jet. Oof, pretty crazy. It is crazy. How do you feel about it though? You not being? Are you going to be like oh, these regular fucking New Yorkers, and now you're going to have Jet shit all over the place? Well, I won't wear. I won't, oh God! I, I Here you go. Stuff, but now but, you're gonna cheat, no. cheer for the Jets. Well, I've always get the, the fuck Jets, out of it. Oh, let me tell now you why. you've always rooted for the Jets. Well, let me tell you why. Let me Jesus tell you why. Jesus Christ! I, you, I will tell you why. I've all, I've always been a giant fucking fan. New Yorkers, there's no, man. There's like no, you, you well, people are. This is fucking I have a, unbelievable. I have, a, I have a connection. Okay. You don't have a connection. I do. Guys. I do have a connection. I have a connection. So uh, uh, if the Giants play the Jets, there's no conflict. I'm always going to root for the Giants. I'm a Giants fan. I'm not a Jets fan. But I've always rooted for the Jets for the last 23 years. I think it's 23 years because my cousin works for them. So since my cousin went to work for the Jets, I have always rooted Cut for the, the Jets bullshit, when they're bro. not playing the this, Giants. This well, is I've always rooted for them you, when they're is, not playing the Giants. We've been doing this, this podcast for, for like, four or five years yeah. now. This is the first yeah. fucking time that you've ever said that you rooted for the Jets. Well, Ever. Well, when I say root for them, it's not like they're my team, but I root for them against anybody but you the Giants. You like sound like any random fucking New Yorker now that Aaron Rodgers here. You all no, 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 no. Just like when the thing, Mets are good and the Yankees not in the playoffs, you all ride around with fucking Mets well, in the back of your car. Well, I don't do that with the Mets. Yeah, you do. You like the no, Mets no, when no, the no, Mets no, are no. good. And all. <laughs> no. Get the fuck no. out of here. No, you I people don't do are that crazy. You I don't people do that are nuts. I, New Yorkers are fucking nuts, period. I'm just telling you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a, fucking convinced. I'm a Giants And now fan. you all, you guys all give me shit about my basketball teams, but now every fucking team that's decent in New York, now you guys all claim them and hey. you all got a connection. It's bullshit. I'm, get I'm back to the fucking, it's, get back it's, to Aaron Rodgers being with the Jets. Let's not talk about you being a fucking Jets fan because I'm not buying that bullshit. Well, I'm not a Jets fan, but I like well, them you to just do well. Said, no, you, no I'm, not, I'm not buying that I'm shit. I'm a Giants fan who has no been, problem with the I've Jets. I've never heard you since, I've been knowing you since 2009. Yeah. This is the first fucking time I've ever heard you say you root for the Jets. But think about it. We haven't had any reason to really talk about them. They it's, haven't made the playoffs since it's 2010. It's all New Yorkers. It's all New Yorkers, Cass. You guys well, are ridiculous. I think, there, I think there are a lot of Giants fans who don't feel that way about the Jets. 
But it's you know, all I, New Yorkers. Guys. I happen to have a cousin the who group, runs IT for the Jets. The group chat. Soon as the fucking Jets get hot, everybody's gonna be wanting to go to the Jets games. What? Oh man. Well, well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> what? Should, should we talk about it or should we let Alan Lazard talk? <laughs> Let's about let it? Alan Lazard talk yeah. about it. This is a really, I'm just, I know we tell you, this is going to be a conversation you guys love. Alan Lazard, wide receiver for the Jets, just signed after being with the Packers. He's very close with Aaron Rodgers. Super interesting, smart guy. Gives such amazing insight into being an NFL receiver, into Aaron the person, Aaron the teammate, Aaron the quarterback, uh, into the experience of moving to New York. It's a really great conversation. So without further ado, here's Alan Lazard on R2C2. Alan, welcome to R2C2. Thanks for being with us, man. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, we are pumped. coming on. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're pumped to have you. No matter when we were talking to you, we'd, we'd be delighted by it. But especially right now at this moment with your new quarterback and what's going on with the Jets. I know you're in the middle of OTAs. How exciting was yesterday for the entire franchise, the press conference, it becoming official, Aaron Rodgers uh, joining you from Green Bay? Um, amazing. Obviously, it's kind of a historical day, um, just given his career and everything, everything that he's done in Green Bay. Um, for him to make this transition out here, um, just especially at this point in his career, just shows you how much of that drive that he still has in him. And he's expecting to come here and, and do big things. So, you know, for my time in Green Bay, <laughs> the times that he wasn't showing up to OTAs or practices, you know, he may have had his bed days or something. There's a little different energy level on the field and meetings and stuff. But as soon as he puts his cleats back on, as soon as he gets back out there, there's a different aura. There's a different energy. There's, you know, you feel it not only with it, within him, but everybody else, you know, teammates, the players or the coaches. Um, the front office staff, like, and I felt that resemblance yesterday too. Um, so just having him back here um, brought back a familiarity to me and just kind of what I'm used to, especially this beginning half of my career and everything. Um, so to have him as my teammate again, it's um, it's quite delightful, you could say. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I wanted to ask. Like, what was the energy like in the building yesterday? But you answered that question. It seems like everybody was excited and you know, to have him kind of show up during the time that you guys are at OTAs, it's kind of like perfect. They had a press conference yesterday, right? Yeah, absolutely. And obviously today being the draft and everything and um, kind of starting this new phase, this new um, chapter in the Jets organization history. Yeah, Alan, what was your perception of the Jets signing with them? Um, Coach Sala, you know, um, he was my first kind of interaction you could say with this organization going back to 2019 when I um, when we played them twice we played them once in the, in the regular season and then in the NFC championship game and I just remember how violent how physical how detailed and just swarming his defense was as the defensive coordinator out there and they had a, had a really good team and um, talented from the D-line to the second level on the back end as well and they played as played as a unit and I just saw the passion that he coached with and saw the guys that he how much they just, you know, love to play for him. And I think as players, that's something that you admire. You see that. And, you know, you see other players doing that, and it kind of gives you, like, the okay, like, whatever he's doing, you know, it must be it. And so that's kind of my first introduction towards him, everything. And obviously he came here, I think, the year after and everything. And, I, and I've watched from a distance. You know, I've growing up in Iowa, I've never really been a – I never really had a sports team. Truthfully, whether it be football, <laughs> basketball, baseball, you know, I've kind of picked different teams around the country. And the Jets were never really um, on my radar, you could say. Um, but, you know, obviously this past year, um, Brees getting drafted here last year definitely kind of um, tilted my attention a little bit more towards the organization and seeing how he balled out, you know, during his time, um, Garrett Wilson and Sauce and, just the excitement around this organization and um, the new faces and the new energy. Um, you could tell that something was 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 kind of cooking up over here and something I wanted to be a part of. And given the opportunity, Coach Hackett um, coming here, um, knowing that Aaron was going to come here as well, um, I knew it was the right place for me to be. You mentioned Coach Hackett. 
it was amazing. Like listening to Aaron, listening to you, how much you guys love this man. What is it about Nathaniel Hackett that just connects with you guys to the point that it seems like his presence with the Jets was a significant factor for both of you wanting to come to the Jets. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I can, I can say that me going this route would have been a lot different if he wasn't here. Mm. And on um, the thing with him, I'm not sure what it is. I think it's just <laughs> his, gen, his genuine authenticity and, and especially the, the industry, the, the world that we live in, that's kind of hard to come by sometimes. And he's just been the same person since the day I met him. I was very fortunate enough to um, have his, have him as the offensive coordinator when I first came out as a rookie. I drafted a rookie in Jacksonville. He was the offensive coordinator there. And I saw how he conducted meetings. I saw how players liked them. And then um, I was very fortunate to have him as my um, coach as well when I moved up to Jack or moved up to Green Bay. And so that's just kind of one of those things that's just lucky in the sports world. You know, some guys don't really have the best luck with coaches, with injuries or this or that. You know, I've had him as my coach every year but last year. And and that's so having crazy. that familiarity, understanding what he wants, his idea of plays, um, his coaching. And just honestly, it's it's the day-to-day work, you know. It's We play on Sundays, but it's those six days before then, you know, that you're really going to work with these people you're spending a lot of time together. You're all achieving. You're all, all working towards achieving the same goal. And, you know, I want to do that with people that I love and care about. And he's definitely one of those people. That That's pretty cool that you guys have that relationship. But it also helps him as a coach, too, because you can help coach the other receivers and let them know what he's looking for or what yep. type of things will piss him off or what type of things will get you more playing time. So it, it kind of works both ways, like him having you around to be able to you know, let the guys know what, what what he actually is like, what's going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it goes with Aaron as well. Just, you know, just the familiarity that I have with him, understanding routes and concepts and plays and different situations and whatnot. Um, the more people that you have on the same page, that's why we were so special in Green Bay, because you have so many guys that have the repetition and experience of playing together and understanding um, what we need to do to be successful in these situations. Because the game of football is pretty much just improv every single play. You know, we, we, we call the same play a lot, but we get a different result every time. So being able to be on the same page and understanding and situations on how to execute and work together, that's when you get beautiful plays that happen and explosive plays and touchdowns. You know, not to belabor the Nathaniel Hackett aspect of things, but it's interesting because for fans who are – more general NFL fans, they see his name and and they think about a rough tenure as Broncos head coach, right? That's the first thing. And so when you hear, oh, like Aaron Rodgers loves this guy, oh, Alan Lazard loves this guy, it's like, wait, what is it that didn't happen there that happens now or happens as an OC? And obviously, we've also seen throughout the course of history, different circumstances where guys don't have success the first time they're a head coach, then have success later, depending on personnel, organization, whatever it might be. But I'm wondering, is there anything, Alan, for you just in these, you know, few weeks, couple months since you've signed with the Jets that you've experienced having him back where you could see he's evolved since going through the journey that he has over the last, you know, few seasons? I can tell that he's a lot, he's in a way happier place, um, a way way less stressful place. Um, you know, I think he was very excited to be a head coach and everything. And obviously what happened in Denver didn't work out for the best. Um, but like everyone else, you have failures in life. And that's just one aspect that he failed in. He's a great person, a great father, a great coach. He's great at a, a numerous amount of other things as well. So highlighting that one failure, I don't think it is doing just to him as a person and him as a coach um, specifically. But yeah, just just being a, being back around him. He's such a funny dude, and is always making meetings so fun. Like it's just one of those things that it's hard to to really put into words, so you can understand. This is the same thing with with playing with Aaron, right? Like people yeah. are like, "What's it like catching a pass from him?" It's like I I don't know how to explain it unless you like <laughs> one you a catch passes constantly, and then you know, you're able to fortunately be able to catch one from him, but it's just something you have to experience. And once you experience, you understand and you see the difference, you feel the difference, you know the difference. 
that's the same one thing with hack it's just you know you gotta you guys gotta come to a meeting if you guys come to a meeting and sit, <laughs> just sit in the back you ain't gotta say nothing you'll see like oh okay i see what he's talking about <laughs> We're in, we're in. See, was there a coach Absolutely. like that for you who like, you'd like genuinely look forward to meetings with them or the way they command the room? And it yeah, was like, it wow, was, this is just different. It was a few, but Carl Willis is probably the, the guy that, that, um, that probably had the biggest impact like that. And he was my first pitching coach. And then I had him all the way through the time I won the Cy Young. And even when I got to New York the first couple of early years, if I was having some trouble, I was sending my film. And be like, hey, could you look at this and be like, you know, tell me a couple of things that I can do. Um, he stopped doing that shit after I almost threw a no hitter against him in Seattle. So he was like, nah, I can't do that shit no more. But, <laughs> but no, nah, he's probably the guy that I'm still closest to for sure. Yeah. Alan, um, with when you think about I want want to get back into some of the Aaron stuff, but first I want to zoom out a little bit and and go into your journey a little bit because you talked about being from Iowa, going to Iowa State, you're undrafted, you end up with the Jaguars, you get cut. You end up with the Packers, you get cut. And yet now here you are having built a really nice career already with Green Bay. You become a sought-after free agent, sign a really nice deal with the Jets. When you go back to not getting drafted, what was your mindset at that moment? And was there any doubt as to whether or not you were good enough to play in the NFL and have success in the NFL? Yeah, there, there was definitely a lot of doubt. You know, I think I don't think doubt ever goes away. It's it's the other voice that that's you're able to make louder than the doubt. You know, mm -hmm. it's when it's when you, the, the negative thoughts start to override everything else and become your main thought and your main focus is when things usually don't go down or go start to go downhill. Um, so, yeah the the going undrafted only made that voice a little bit louder so what i had to do is just train myself and still believe in myself and understand that you know since i was a kid i set out for this goal to be a professional athlete when i got to high school i'm like all right football is probably the way i should go mm -hmm. and I, I want to make a difference i want to be able to help my family and to make an impact on this world and so that's always been my my mo so i knew it's never just a linear line you know, I know there's ups and downs. And at that point in my career, it was just a down point. You know, I had to figure out to go back to the drawing board, figure out how am I going to get to the second contract? That's really what it's all about. And, you know, I ended up going to Jacksonville because they were the only team that wanted me as a wide receiver. Everyone else wanted me as a tight end. Mm. They didn't necessarily want to go to Jacksonville, but hey, this is where the light's showing. You know, I end up at, uh, end up in Green Bay and even though Aaron's standing up on the table for me, you know, giving me appraisal saying I have the best camp for all the wide receivers, you know, I still end up getting cut because of politics or because of um, roster um, positions and stuff like that, roster building. But, you know, I just never let anything um, tell me who I am, per se. And I always, you know, just try to stay positive in every single moment. Um, that doesn't mean it's not, there aren't hard days, there aren't days of doubt, there aren't days of, of failure and, and not having success but it's just it's really just been the belief in myself that i'm i'm still out here pursuing my goal and dream to be the best version of myself every single day man what, how hard is that though to go through camp and know ball out know that you should make the team and then still get cut because of politics or somebody else has already promised a spot man that's, it, it, it really is tough especially because you know the hardest part was was hearing Aaron's appraisal and the, and still having to go through that stuff. It's like, man, even Aaron don't even have the type of pull or say mm. to really demand. And it's like, at that point, it was kind of like more so, I know I did my job. I know I put yeah. the work in. I know I was successful. You know, there's only so much I can do. And, and it gave me, it just allowed me to submit basically to, to life and to understanding that there's, no matter how hard you work at something, you know, life can always just take it, take it away from you. And, and it's, and it's never about just obtaining that one goal. It's just the, the progress. It's the journey. It's the, the mentality just to keep on working and trying to progress. So, um, yeah, that was, it was definitely tough times, but like I said, I always just kept believing in myself. Man, I think you said something pretty cool at the beginning though, uh, that any young athlete or just anybody should, 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 you know, kind of listen to is, you know, you're always going to have that doubt. Like it's always yeah. going to be there. So you try to ignore it or pretend like it's not there, but it is, is, is more distraction. 
Like that was the thing for me. Like I would always get these negative thoughts in my mind and I would just acknowledge them and be like, well, okay, I'm gonna just make a good pitch here. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Or or make sure that this voice is louder than this this other side. So I think a right. lot of people try to try to not, you know, hear the negative thoughts. It kind of is what it is. You're gonna you go, you're human. You're gonna have those thoughts. Yeah. You just gotta acknowledge them, push them out the way, and 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 put some positive thoughts in your head. Absolutely. Aaron going to bat for you like that. What even though it didn't prove fruitful in that specific moment. What did it do for you and your confidence moving forward in your career and for your relationship with Aaron? It gave me everything, <laughs> everything that I needed to hear, you know, especially being an undrafted guy. Yeah. I'm on a team with Devontae Adams, who is a head above shoulders compared to everybody else when it comes to the position and what he's able to do. Um, and for him to appraise me in that moment, you know, that, that was something that meant a lot to me. And it was the motivation and the confirmation that I needed. And ever since then, I really never looked back, you know? Mm. He called for me to be in the game. Um, in the Monday night game, my first year, I ended up catching the pass to kind of set up the, the touchdown um, to set up the go-ahead go uh, field goal and everything. So just since those moments of just him, him, him stepping up, saying stuff about me, calling me in the game, you know, proving it right, it's just, I have so much to lean back on, to look back on, to to be able to shut the voice in my head up that does have some doubt or does have some fear about whatever I may be going through. It's like, look what I've done in these moments that it was the same volume, if not louder. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and just understanding that and just to keep growing. Within games then, after, so you have kind of that basis of confidence then because, hey, Aaron Rodgers is saying... I deserve to be on this team. He's trusting mm -hmm. me. Did you have a kind of a, a – because then obviously you become more consistent. You know, you just get more consistent playing time. Your pr mm -hmm. production has continued to grow year after year. Th have you had a moment that you could think of on the field during a game or at some point along this journey since then where you were, had sort of that – I don't know if it's a welcome to the NFL moment or a moment of – really feeling like you belong or really understanding, whoa, not only do I belong, but I can be impactful here. Um, Yeah, honestly, it was probably that first game or the first, not sorry, the first game, the first time when he called me into the game. Yeah. You know, because this is like week six of the season or so. It was a Monday night game. And up until that point, the offensive snaps that I had received were primarily the run block or even the pass protection block. Like a receiver helping out the tight end on a DN. <laughs> like, yeah. that was kind of like, my my um how they visioned me and and my skill set to be used you know and so when aaron called me in the game and then throws a you know probably like a 39 yard touchdown to me on a double move like this is stuff that i don't even really do i don't run double moves <laughs> i'm not the fast guy i'm not the burner but he's the one telling me yeah. go do it and we're gonna make it happen and so that was just like my moment of like I can really do this. I'm in the NFL. This is Monday Night Football. I'm playing with the Green Bay Packers. You know, I've already had all this trial and tribulation before, and I'm still here. So what's going to stop me? Only me. Mm. And so it kind of just, you know, that first year is really just what set the tone and gave me that ultimate co uh, confidence um, to be where I am today. That's dope. I think that was a game against Detroit where you guys yep. won 23-22, right? Yes. Yeah, Looking it yeah, up. Yeah. Oh, and the fourth quarter touchdown pass. Yeah, you guys are down nine. That cuts it to two, and then you win it on a Mason Crosby field goal later in the quarter. And what, and what was even cooler about that was that, so he calls me into the game. We're down 13 to 22. We're driving in the fourth quarter. The first pass he throws to me on second down, I jump up, catch the ball, the DB knocks out of my hand. And at that moment, it's like that was my op. Yeah. You know, because if anyone that plays with Aaron knows, he don't throw to you twice. After, you know, he don't come back <laughs> to you after you drop the ball. You don't catch it. It's just a thing. Then I come back the next plays when they called the scout pump, the out, out and up. And, you know, I caught, the, caught it for a touchdown and everything. And then, you know, we follow it the next drive. I think I had like three more catches in the next drive to kind of set the game winning field goal, uh, third down conversion and stuff. So, yeah, just going through that stuff was, was just – so pivotal in my confidence, in my career, and my abilities, and my belief. No, that's awesome, man. Big game that game you had. 
Just, I'm just like going through the box score now. See? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, that was, uh, but that's awesome. They like, you can kind of point to that moment and, and it makes even more sense why you guys were insistent upon playing each other, playing mm-hmm. with each other beyond green Bay as well. Now, you were very clear about it when you signed with the Jets saying, hey, I'm getting a chance to play with number 12 again. And, of course, Aaron, shortly after that, also expressed on the Pat McAfee show that, like, yes, I do want to play. I want to play for the Jets. But it took a little while for things to get figured out. Over the last few weeks, did you have any moments of, ooh, this may not happen after <laughs> all? Like, <laughs> um, All great things take time. You know, nothing, nothing great comes from overnight. And so – and I, I knew, like, at the end of the day, this is how this business goes, to stretch things out, the negotiation, all this and that. Um, so I, I was very confident that it would eventually happen. You know, there's no reason to kind of worry or stress over it. There's definitely moments where I was like, man, I wish he was already kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I need to talk to him about some things, you know, with the playbook <laughs> and this and that. But, you know, it's it's OTAs. It's, 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 it's a very chill time right now where we are just starting to get um, – our, our feedback in the turf and everything. So, yeah, it, it's great that it's finally kind of etched in stone now. Mm-hmm. He seems like a very interesting dude. And, you know, it. Uh, in addition to the ayahuasca, just the way he, <laughs> you know, communicates, it's very different than, you know, what we might be used to when we hear from, from athletes how would you there's obviously a a concerted effort for him to tap into consciousness and be able to express that and share that how would you describe just being in his orbit and the kind of person he is and and where maybe it's a little bit different than you know your your average human being never mind you know your average teammate um first i would i would start by saying he's probably the smartest human being i ever met like his 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 picture memory, his recall from 10, 12 years ago about certain plays and his his referencing in history and just his overall um, intellectual ability is, is something that's is what blows me away first, you know? Hmm. And you really get to know him as a person and get to be close with him and, and you see how big of a heart he truly has, how much he cares about other people. And like, you know, I was very, very fortunate to be with him in Green Bay, obviously towards the end of his, his time there and everything, but to see how the the day-to-day staff, the equipment staff, the training staff, the the weight room um, trainers and, and, and everything, and how much they appreciated them. And not only that, but how he, he reciprocated that love to them, you know, and just how he cared about other teammates and everything. Um, it, it's just something that I've always admired within him and everything. And then you get around and get to work with him. You know, you see him on the field, you see him in um, the film room taking notes, the questions that he's asking, the 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 uh, attention to detail that he has, and everything um, is be- beyond what I was at that time used to. And then his ability on the field, you just see the consistency, and that's really where it kind of you know clicked for me because when I first got there in nineteen, um, I didn't really know what to do. I'm, I'm literally on the depth, the lowest of the uh, depth chart, like. <laughs> low <laughs> so i'm like okay like I, I need to figure out how i can climb this thing so yeah. let me let me point my focus who's doing stuff right around here well 12 is for sure 17 is for sure 69 you know like these guys these guys have been playing eight plus years 10 plus years or whatever you know mercedes lewis 89 you know i watched their daily routines their daily habits how they were going about practice their attention to details in the meetings um and just how meticulous they were um, about their craft and everything. And so I just literally, in, the, in an analogy, just get, got behind them and just watched them and just followed as, <laughs> as Q every single day. So seeing that with him, with, with 12, and just his ability, his consistency, is really what separates him, I feel like, from anyone that's close to him. Mm. And as a result, that was an amazing answer, Alan, and I think so insightful, especially for our audience and you know, we have listeners from all around the, the country and beyond, but certainly a New York heavy yeah. focus. And, and this city is so excited for Aaron Rodgers and for you and for this team. Um, and it's really interesting, just the insight you give us into him. How about 
this moment in time for the Jets, because this is a franchise that, as you know, and are learning more and more about, has had sort of historically comical failure at different moments. And yet, it's a franchise that has a lot of energy behind it still. It's not like the lowly Browns, if you will. It, there's, some, <laughs> there's something about the Jets where they've had these moments in history at different times, um, and they where they have had some success. They just haven't been able to get over the hump, and then there's been some sort of comical gaffes in the middle. But there is there is genuine hope right now. And we saw what the team did last year. We know the talent they have. We understand what Robert Salas brought. Been looking for the quarterback. Have it. You guys have a lot of talent at the wide receiver position, yourself included. What What is sort of the energy about the team feel like right now and the goals that you might be able to achieve this season? Oh, I think everyone's excited, you know, regardless of just this new season. Um, being back at work, being back with each other. Um, you know, during the offseason, I feel like a lot of football players, we just get dispersed because of how this um, this game is. A lot of people, we may play up north in Chicago or Green Bay or New York, but, like, when it comes to offseason training, most people have to move somewhere else unless they're in, a, in the Southern State team. So getting back with your teammates is, is, is always a great feeling, um, especially because, you know, I think CC can relate like the off season, the grind's real. Like mm-hmm. as much as like we do enjoy and love playing football, it, it's, it's not fun some days, you know, <laughs> lifting, yeah. lifting these heavy weights, you know, running these one tens. It's not fun. Some of the days and you need those people around you to, to keep you up. You know, we're all human at the end of the day. So um, being back with each other is, is giving us a lot of energy. It seems like um, from what they've told me about last year, especially kind of how they finished the season. Um, but then, you know, I think Aaron and I are just trying to bring the success that we've had and try to implement it as much as we can within this team. Um, like like you said, they haven't had much success. They, they've had uh, spurts throughout the regular season and stuff, but kind of failed to get over that hump. And him, Aaron, more so than I, obviously have, have a lot of success and um, history playing in the postseason and taking it the full length. So we're we're trying to come here and basically, you know, we want to break break old habits. We want to we want to set a new standard, this new expectation, and kind of just lay the foundation on how to go about work every single day. And the more guys that we can get to buy into that um, early on, which I think a lot of people already are on that page. Sometimes it's just a little guidance here and there. You know, maybe it's not necessarily a practice thing. Maybe it's a, a recovery thing that you know you pick up from somebody else. Maybe it's just, you know, oh, this guy's getting a little bit, get to the facility a little bit earlier. Maybe I need to get here earlier too to study mm-hmm. my stuff, you know? So it's just little things that you can't necessarily pinpoint on what it is. You know, everyone's going to ask, well, what is it going, what is it going to take to get over the hump? What is it going to take to get the playoffs? Like, we don't know the <laughs> the diversity and or the different things we're going to have to go through this season um, to get to get over the hump, to win those games, to win the division, to make a deep playoff run, to win the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, we're just coming here and trying to do the best we can and, and obviously leave a huge impact on the organization. Man, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of excitement. I think it's because it's New York City, though. I mean, you know, yeah. it's like it's, it's, it's you know, the, the sports capital of the world. So I wanted to ask you, though, I made that, that, that move from, I guess, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Green Bay to New York City. How are you adjusting <laughs> to the city now? I know, I know Green Bay, Milwaukee is cool in the summer. But it ain't nothing like being in the, in the city and especially nah. performing and playing here. It's, it's going to be a different experience, man. All right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm still going to have to get to that point, obviously, once the season comes and um, dealing with the media and the fans and everything. <laughs> um, it's going to be, like you said, different. Um, but for me, it's exciting. You know, I'm from Iowa, kind of grew up small town, also in the city, Des Moines. You know, I've never really been in a big city. I've never really been in a a big populated area, especially with professional sports teams. Like playing in Green Bay, you're very isolated. Like mm-hmm. it feels like you're disconnected from the rest of the world. It's like when you go on away trips, it's like, oh, whoa, like there's people, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? And so now that I'm out here and it's, you know, the hustle and bustle every single day, and um, you just see so many things going on, so many more things to do. Um, for me, it's exciting. You know, it's something I've always dreamed about as a, as a kid growing up in the Midwest and from a smaller state with, with less um, population, less culture, less diversity, um, to finally get to the big city and to see what I can do. And, and what better 
place to challenge myself in that than New York City. If I can make it here, I can make it, make it anywhere. And that's what everyone says. And so that's definitely my mentality going into this. Quoting Sinatra is never going to steer you wrong in New York. Ever. So you're, you're <laughs> off to a good start, Alan. Um, how about apartment hunting in New York? Because that can be daunting. <laughs> Man, How's I just it going? started on t- uh, It's miserable. Stay on the Jersey side, dog. I'm telling you, stay on the no, Jersey side. No, for sure. Side. No, I'll definitely be over here because I'm definitely like my main MO is like being close to the facility. That's my main commute. So I need to be within like 20, 25 max. Yeah, because I do like to I like to drive in the morning just to kind of you know wake up and clear my head and not just to get the facility to football 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 whatever. Um, but yeah, rent is crazy. I'm coming from Green Bay where it's like <laughs> I had a whole townhouse, I had three floors, I had my basement, my vibes. Like I I I, I didn't put I I took advantage, you know. I took took for granted, I should say, um, the, what I was paying for and what I was getting in Green Bay. So. Now I'm I'm house shopping because it seems like that's more of a better option, um, you know, especially down the line with with money and everything. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a process. Yeah, <laughs> that that was the biggest thing is just finding a place that I could get like an easy commute because I mm-hmm. played in Cleveland and I played in Milwaukee, but I yep. I like to get in my car and drive, like have my time to decompress, either coming from the stadium or going to the stadium. It's just one of those things that if you play in one of those smaller cities. You get used to doing it's kind of part of your routine. So yeah, I, I, I felt the same way. And, and when I came, I, I, I moved out here, everybody was like, you got to go to Westchester. I was like, nope, that's like 45 minutes. I need something right. like 20 minutes away. They was like, well, that's Jersey. I was like, well, fucking take me to Jersey then. That's where, <laughs> yeah. where I'm going to be living. <laughs> like, it's, it's cool with me. Like in Green Bay, <laughs> I had a maximum of a five minute commute wow. to get to the stadium. Yeah. I hit two stoplights and if they were green both time it's maybe four. <laughs> so it's like and that was something I kind of didn't enjoy as much because it was like I said, it's just wake up, get in the car. My car's not even warm by the time I get to the stadium. So I'm yeah. just freezing there for four minutes, you know, driving in my in my car and stuff. So I do like the I do like to have a drive and to see different things, you know, just to know that everyone's going to work. You know, it's somewhat of like kind of a psychological motivation. You see everybody else getting up, doing the same stuff. Like they go into their business, they're going to their school, they're doing whatever that, you know, now I got to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing mm-hmm. to make sure that everything's going. No, I like now, that. that was always the day I was pitching. I would drive through the Bronx on yep. the days that I'm pitching. Like I made my commute, make sure that I'm going like, just so I can be kind of a part of like the working community. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you feel like you're going to work. You want to be like, a part. I mean, just like going back to high school and stuff, like, you're, you're representing the community, you know, you want to be immersed in it, you want to know the people, you want to be able to relate to the fans and have that connection because in a sense, you're representing them on the field and they're representing you, you know, off the field. Mm-hmm. How, what are they saying in the barbershop? What are they saying on the street? What are they saying in meetings, talking about you on TV and stuff? So, you know, that's, that's one thing that I, I'm trying to focus on to be able to um, get immersed in the New York culture and community as much as possible and to, be a, a great representative, represent, what am I trying to say? Representative? Representative. 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 That's the yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Have you had a New York slice of pizza yet? I haven't. Ooh. I'm going to, Ooh. I think I'm going to the city tonight. I think I'm okay. going to the city tonight. And if I do, then I'll definitely have to, to snag one. I've only, my yeah. first time in the city was this past December. Wow. You know, wow. So, I, so, so I've played here at MetLife, but like, I mean, you land at five o'clock on a Saturday, you have an hour or two to, you know, grab some food and it's meetings, you're going to bed, I'm focusing on the game. So I'm not, I yeah. haven't really, you know, I went to, to Times Square, I've been to Brooklyn, like, so now I'm kind of, you know, I still haven't, I still need to do a lot more, obviously, but yeah, um, yeah, I've only been here for, for a few days. <laughs> Nice man, you're so, gonna you you're gonna love it. If there's Ruko, the give, him, give him a spot. What would you say if it's the first well, slice? For your first slice, I would say the if you want just like a classic great New York slice, Joe's. There's there's one near Union Square, and then there's one in the West Village. Um, but Joe's is just like Am I getting great just cheese, Italian sausage, yeah. pepperoni. Yeah, you can just get cheese, cheese or pepperoni. Cheese. Yeah. It's my favorite okay. pepperoni slice. Yeah. yeah. If you want just like a straight great New York slice, but if Joe's. you want like a a real like crazy slice, then Prince Street, Prince Street Prince pizza, Street. yeah, okay. Prince Street Joe's pizza, and Prince Street. Yeah. yeah. And if you go to Prince Street, get the spicy spring. 
Yes. Okay. Yes, the spicy spring slice. It's like a. It's almost like a Sicilian slice with a bunch of little pepperonis, and it's spicy, and it's just it's, unbelievable. It's wild, bro. It's wild. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's incredible, and, and the restaurants in general in New York are just. Yeah. Like me, it's funny. My wife and I moved to the burbs in the aftermath of COVID, and like we found some spots, but we're always just like, the one thing we know we're never gonna get is yeah. the food, like in New York City, because it's just, it's just ridiculous, man. <laughs> the the options are limitless; they really are. Um, one, two final things for you, Alan, and thank you for all this time. You have been wonderful, and I know our audience is gonna so enjoy rooting for you this season. Um, so. You've mentioned the story with Aaron standing on the table. Was it actually? Was he actually like standing on a table, like vouching for you? Um, not physically, but like he was saying in, in the um, during the, to the media. You know, I, I think to quote him, he said, "I had the best camp as a wide receiver." Wow. Um, that during that fall camp and everything, and he had mentioned me sometime before that too. In the during the OTA periods. Um, during the summer working out saying that, you know, he, he had, I had caught his eye a few times mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then, and that was just to the media, you know, in the meetings is really where he was kind of really vouching and, and standing up saying, Hey, great job. 13 on this play. Um, I like what you did here. I never thought of that. Like keep on doing that. Um, little things like that. Um, you know, to, to make a verbal to the coaches and everyone else that, you know, I was progressing and, and yeah. making a name for myself. That's pretty cool. And then I know you went to Iowa state. But you're from Iowa. Did you mm-hmm. get behind the Caitlin Clark craze <clears throat> during the women's final four? Or no, because that's kind of your rival school. So you can't really root for the Hawkeyes. But hey, it's cool for your state. How are you feeling about it? I'm all behind it. Caitlin oh, nice. 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 Yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. She's Kay- amazing. Kay- I mean, unbelievable. You know, I'm I'm definitely not a hater. Um I I root for Iowa at times. You know, at times. Not wow. Just, wow. I may have a personal connection um, to them or something like that. Or, you know, more so just representing the state. You know, I take a lot of pride in being where I'm from and kind of being the only person to be doing what I'm doing. And, mm. you know, I want I want to make sure that everyone else back home, you know, understands that the the sky's the limit and beyond that to be able to do and to grow and to um, venture out to whatever you want to do. Um, so yeah, Caitlin Clark, she actually, I'm pretty sure she went to Dowling, which is the the private yeah. Catholic school, um, you know, two miles away from where I grew up. Um, so, you know, I, I was definitely well aware of her back from, from the high school days and everything, hearing about her. And when she got to Iowa, she obviously just, just took off and exploded, especially with the whole NLI shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can say it. It's fine. You can curse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All that stuff going on, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I, I, it's, it's a proud moment for me because it's like, She's she's maximizing her opportunity because if this was four or five years ago, you know, you probably would have heard of her and then it would have dwindled yeah. and gone gone away, unfortunately. So um, she's someone that's obviously going to have success at the next level as well. If that's the route she chooses to go this year or next year. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely a Caitlin Clark fan. Oh, that's yeah. awesome, man. And I got to tell you, the people in Iowa were lovely. Like, I had to go there a couple of years because I do the women's college uh, Final Four and, and tournament stuff. So we did some games there. Gosh, the people there were so nice. Mm-hmm. It was it was in the hospitality. Yeah, man. It was just wonderful. It really yeah. was. It I'm was trying wonderful. to hopefully bring that to New York until we. Oh no, nah, don't worry we about it. We, we could use a little of it. In, we in, could in, use like, a in like six months, you won't even be saying <laughs> hi to people, bro. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't change, Alex. I don't promise change. you. I promise uh, you. You won't change, but these people will change you. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Alan! Congratulations on your contract. Congratulations on being a Jet. And thank you so much for this time. You were wonderful to talk to, and and we're gonna be. Rooting hard for you this year, man. Thank you. I appreciate your time again. Take care. Thank you. All of Well, see, now Alan Lazard's turned you into a Jets fan, so there you go. <laughs> no chance. But listening to him talk about Aaron Rodgers kind of reminds me of like how I feel about Andy Pettit. You know what I'm saying? Just their relationship, the the belief that he has, that Aaron has in Allen, gives him the belief in himself. Like those things, those things that I heard him talk about with his relationship with Aaron are kind of the same 
similarities that I have with me and Andy. So it's pretty cool to hear that that closeness in the relationship and Nathaniel Hackett. You know, yeah. to, to to be able to, you know, he was he's been in the league for so long and only not have him coaching for one year. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's all about culture, man, and and I think they're bringing the right stuff to 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 the Jets. The cosign is a powerful thing. I, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, C, but my when I was a sophomore at Fordham, I, I transferred there after one year at Loyola, and for WFUV we would do different demo broadcasts, and then we would have workshops where different broadcasters would come in, speak with us about the business, listen to our tapes, and react. And I had done like my second basketball demo and uh, Gary Cohen, the Mets broadcaster still to this day on SNY, came in. He used to come in once a year, do a workshop for us, listen to our tapes, sometimes twice a year. He was amazing the way he gave back to WFUV. And he would listen to my tape, which it was a big deal just for you to like get to play your tape for one of these guys coming in, listen to my tape and afterwards he said did you play basketball and i was like well i played in high school but you know not that much he's like well you have the rhythm of the game in your voice and you can really do this and for me hearing someone as credentialed as gary cohen tell me at 19 years old you can really do this like i cannot properly articulate the impact that had on me to Mm -hmm. feel like my talent was actually enough to feel believed in. You know, you may be looking around and hearing yourself and passionate about it and think, yeah, I can do this. But when someone else who's done it co-signs it and you're young and you have that doubt that Alan talked about, like then that other voice gets a lot louder. And of all the moments in my career and in the aftermath of it, Michael Kay and Mike Breen and many others, Ian Eagle have, have built confidence in me in similar ways. But that first comment from when I was 19 from Gary Cohen is like a seminal moment for me in my career where I realized like, wait, I thought I can do this. And yeah, I really can because that man who knows said I could. Yeah. And that's that's what Alan's talking about with Aaron Rodgers. And that's what you're talking about in a different way because you were established. But what you're talking about with Andy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's I mean, like you said, that's. Makes all the difference when when a guy like that or a veteran or somebody that knows the business gives you a huge cosign. Yeah, it does. You guys know the deal. New episodes every Thursday. Bonus episodes as well. We have some awesome guests coming up for you. So make sure you're rating, reviewing, subscribing, downloading, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can always check us out on our YouTube page. That's R2C2 on YouTube. Let's get those subscribers cooking. See? Good stuff. We'll do it next week, man. Peace. Peace. Peace.